Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome in to Attacking Third on this wonderful Friday, guys. It's Jenny Chu here with Lisa Carlin, Sandra Herrera, and Darian Jenkins, your usual crew. Um, so happy to be here with you guys. There was plenty of news to get to, but first of all, how's your guys' week been, Sandra? Chaotic, hectic, incredible, <laughs> all the above. It's a good week. It's a good week. Sandra, you sound I like agree. you're in a glass case of emotion. That's a lot. <laughs> I am. Thanks, buddy. I agree, though. The chaotic is on par right now. I feel like this offseason has been one of the craziest. Like, so many trades happening. So, because of free agency, right? Because Mm -hmm. these players have a say in what they're doing, where they're going. um, I feel like I don't know who is on what roster at all. (laughs) Just like, well, I'll figure it out come March 16th because we got a schedule, baby. We do have a schedule. We're absolutely going to get into that a little bit later, but let's go over the breaking news. The first come, first serve news right here. Colombian striker Mayra Ramirez has signed to Chelsea in a 4.5-year deal worth a British record fee of €385,000. And if the add-ons are met, the fee will become a new world record fee, surpassing the 400000 that Barcelona played for Kira Walsh um, from Manchester City. This is amazing. Um, I'm just going to go straight to you for this one, Sandra, because this is awesome. Yeah, uh, you love to see it. I love to see it. Uh, It's in my bio. I'm always going to yell for Latinas in soccer, and this is one of those times. Uh, This was a player that we all kind of had eyes on with that Colombian women's national team during the 2023 World Cup. It was great to see what she was able to provide and you know, be able to kind of follow that outside of 2023 now to 2024 and kind of see these type of headlines uh, for this player, how she's going to be utilized, right? I think is going to be the other side of that, you know, where does uh, Chelsea uh, plan on plugging her in? How is that going to work? But I think when you take a look at the numbers, uh, you know, around them, 
that that is what people are going to get get fixated on at the end. Anytime there's an opportunity for a record breaking number like that, of course, you're going to want to try to fixate on that, celebrate that. And I think on the other side of that, yeah, it's incredible for for the clubs involved and the player as well. But in terms of where we are right now, and like we talk about this often, like the general landscape of, of women's soccer, like this hopefully will continue to be the course that we can, you know, follow in the news moving forward. Yes, absolutely. Um, Lisa, I'm going to come to th- you here, but one of the big things is just coming from Levante, obviously to a Chelsea side that just lost Sam Kerr to an ACL, um, a knee injury. So they definitely need that goal scoring prowess. And that's definitely something that she brings. 100% Jenny. It's it's funny with Champions League match day five happening this week. Um, people have been asking me, hey, is Chelsea going to do it? Can they win Champions League? And I was a little hesitant. Uh, not that they couldn't do it, but just without Sam Kerr, it's a really big hole that is left at Chelsea. And now Emma Hayes has decided to fill it with a really experienced goal scorer who knows how to find the back of the net, who can compete at a high level, who's played the game for a long time, that she's been through adversity and understands the different scenarios that are going to come at her when she's wearing the Blues jersey. And this versatility that Ramirez will add to this Chelsea side because she can play anywhere across the front line. She's really good in the flanks. Um, that can maybe provide some support to me. Official, officials playing that number nine role. She can also play centrally and, and take some of the pressure off me official. We talked a lot about how this team is going to score goals and what needs to happen. Of course, they have Lauren James, but now to add another player like Ramirez into the mix, um, it, it makes Chelsea's chances for lifting that inaugural Champions League trophy just that much clearer. Absolutely true there. I do want to mention that she's from Liga F playing for Levante. They're currently in second place behind Barcelona, ahead of Real Madrid, and she has led the team um, quite a bit there. And she has so many qualities. I mean, just watching her, I'm so excited for her to play at a higher level to see what she can do there. Um, and she definitely has the qualities needed there. I- I'm honestly very excited to watch her join the Blues. Obviously, Sandra and I both Blues fans. This is a great pickup. Um, I'm going to go through the rest of the news here, and then we'll get a comment on everything. Leah Williamson is back. She was sidelined with an ACL injury since April 2023. Great to see her back. She also um, got an assist on her return, but she looks confident. She looks strong being back. And obviously, when you're coming back from injury, things like that can be difficult. Brett Bev Priestman is going to stay as Canada's head coach through the 2027 Women's World Cup. Obviously, Canada has um, the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, the She Believes Cup, and then they look to defend their Olympic title that she was the coach for them winning in this summer in Paris. Um, And also, Benfica becomes the first Portuguese side to reach the Women's Champions League quarterfinals. They go through second in Group A behind Barcelona. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with you here, Darian, on Benfica getting through. Yeah, uh, everyone watched the game. It was a really, really fun game. Lots of, I think both teams came out and just said, we're just going to attack. We're going to try. We're going to throw all of our weapons up front. And they really did. And it was super entertaining. Uh, But Benefica, watching them celebrate and seeing the aftermath, if you look at like Jess Silva's Instagram, how happy they all are to see that they made it through. Um, and what a historic moment for Benefica. It's it's incredible, and it's awesome that we got to witness it. But they have some big competition to go up to next. Um, Women's Champions League does not disappoint, so they're going to play Barcelona, and that's going to be a tough match. But I think they're ready for it. I think this win, well, this tie that you know has brought them forward is going to show them a lot. Um, I think there's a lot they need to work on in their back line where they were exposed a little bit, just falling asleep. 
um, letting uh, letting balls get played through between the seams of them. Um, and that's something Barcelona does really well. So I think they've got to take the time to really tighten those things up. But it's good. I, I'm here for the competition. It was a great game. <laughs> right on. I'm here for Bev Priestman. Honestly, I loved uh, seeing that headline drop. I, I know that this is a, a head coach that I think was attracting interest from multiple areas in terms of landing a, a position outside of the head coaching position for, for Canada. So I like that they were able to negotiate things and keep her on in the mix. I think it's a win for Canada. I think it's a win for CONCACAF region. Honestly, I love that so many of these head coaches have been shown a lot of love in terms of the global landscape of, of head coaches. We saw Lauren Donaldson moving from Jamaica now into NWSL with Chicago. Red Stars and we see uh, Bev, Priestman, Bev Priestman getting that interest but uh, retaining uh, the role with, with Canada moving forward. I mean, this is the, the head coach that is kind of been responsible for for being with this team and seeing them change that color of the medal at the Olympic podium, right? We heard a lot about that in Canada's recent history and the, at the Olympic Games. So what's going to come next for them? What What is this team going to, to look like? This is going to be a new era for this uh, Canadian national team. No Christine Sinclair, who said her goodbye at the international level. So what are they going to look like in kind of these next few years coming forward? So kind of having that longevity, kind of knowing what that that next point is that next cycle in 2027. I think this is good. It's going to allow them to, to lay that groundwork moving forward. No, Christine Sinclair. What about um, Sophie Schmidt? Did she announce her retirement from the international game as well? Yeah. So it, I think Great it's job. important. I think it's really important for Canada to have the stability in their coach, right? Like that's a long time to, to join with Canada in 2020 and then to be with them through 2027. That's a really long time for her to kind of establish a, a foundation and make sure that everyone's on the same page. Um, and, and obviously Canada soccer, they want to win. They want to defend their Olympic gold medal. They want to get back to the world cup and, and compete uh, longer than they have been. So it's good. I like this move for Canada. Frankly, the stability is nice. Yeah, yeah, and to rub it in the Federation's face. Yep. Well, that's a big one because they are still beefing with the Federation, but also all the Federation problems have come to light, including the bankruptcy aspect, including the financial aspects that have come to light on the men's side and the women's side. Um, it's good that they could retain a coach like this that was getting interest in other areas. So all good news there that She Believes Cup and Coca-Cup W Gold Cup is all going to be played in the United States, and then we'll see them defend their championship in Paris for the Olympic Games. Let's go ahead and go to a quick break because we have so much more on NWSL trades when we return. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. 
Welcome back in to Attacking Third. Like I mentioned, we have a ton of NWSL trades to talk about, so I'm going to run through the list and then we'll dive deeper into them. First of all, Dana Castellanos signs to Bay FC from Manchester City. She is 24 years old still, which is wild to believe because she's been in the news for so long. She played at Atletico Madrid before signing for Manchester City. Messiah Bright has been traded to Angel City from Orlando. Becky Sauerbrunn re-signs a one-year deal with the Portland Thorns. Christine Sinclair also signs a one-year deal with the Portland Thorns. Um, Adrian Gonzalez has been appointed as interim head coach of Washington Spirit. Um, very interesting news there. We're sure to get into that one. Rocky Rodriguez has been traded to Angel City. And Hannah Stombaugh transfers to Angel City as well. Um, Desiree Scott re-signs a one-year deal with Kansas City Current. She has played for the same club her entire NWSL career, um, going from FC Kansas City to Utah Royals and then back to Kansas City Current. Simone Charlie signs a two-year deal with Orlando Pride. And Ji So Yen signs a two-year deal with Seattle Reign. Sam Hyatt has been traded to Gotham. Seattle Reign receive... Actually, this was a three-way trade, so I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to let you guys get into that one. And then Ali Long <laughs> is leaving Gotham FC. Um, there's plenty of details there, but I don't want to take up all of the air in the room. So let's go ahead and get started with the biggest news. is Dana Castellanos signing for Bay FC, Albertine Montoya's team. Lisa, you have some news on this one. Yeah, Jenny, this is really, really huge. Um, this is a player uh, that played in the States collegiately. She went to Florida State University and, and opted out of the draft. She didn't go in the NWSL draft and wanted to go play in Europe. Um, she is a Venezuelan international, and she has spent a lot of times overseas getting a, a lot of different minutes. You mentioned Atletico Madrid, um, and then, of course, with Manchester City. Um, four years ago, she tweeted out, um, quote, maybe one day she would play in the NWSL. Shout out to uh, Jeff Kasouf with the Equalizer getting that tweet out there and making sure that it resurfaces because now is that time for Castellanos to come back. The 24-year-old is back in the NWSL. And when you kind of break down this contract for her, it's three years with a four-year option. And, and there are sources that are saying that if the fourth-year option is activated and she takes it, it would be $1.8 million over the four years, making her one of the highest paid internationals in the NWSL as of right now. Um, so this is really huge. I, when you look at Bay FC and their roster, how they've been able to grow, what kind of players they're bringing in. Head coach Albert T. Montoya has been very, very transparent about what kind of football he wants to play. He wants to keep the ball. He wants to attack with possession. He wants to defend by having the ball the entire time. And this is a player in Castellanos that's going to be able to do that. She can combine really well. Um, and she has a lot of versatility in with where she's played over the last several years. Plus, she's still really young at 24. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to just piggyback on that off of what Lisa was saying, because, look, I said it in the top of the episode. Uh, check the bio here to yell for Latinas in soccer. I think this is another one of those moves I think that we're going to continue to celebrate. Um, I remember this player as one of the most exciting players at the collegiate level. There was so much attention on Dana Castellanos and with Florida State University and what they were doing as a program. I think maybe for some folks who found themselves not really invested into the collegiate game, this was a type of player that was nabbing those kind of casual eyeballs and making people kind of tune in and say, hey, let's take a look at this, this college game. FSU is playing 
Dana's probably going to score. Let's lock it in. So she like left um, FSU with a lot of buzz around her. And I think had she declared for the NWSL draft, likely would have been a very high projected top pick, perhaps number one. We'll never know, right? So ultimately opting to start her pro career in Europe. I'm very curious to sort of see how she's going to put all of those things together, a strong collegiate career, a couple different stints with different teams in Europe, first with Atletico, then Man City, and how that's all going to come together with an expansion side. So she's coming back, she's, she's coming back to the United States and playing in NWSL, but this is going to be her first stint in the American Domestic Professional League. And it's going to be with an expansion side. So I think that part of it is also very curious for for me as well. I'm just sort of wondering how that's going to look, how she's going to, you know, uh, adapt uh, to things while on a team that they themselves are also going to try to kind of figure things out um, on the pitch as well. So I'm sure there's been a ton of conversation already. I know that this was a, a signing in the works for a very long time. I, I'm sure that both sides are excited to finally be able to announce this. But I think that's the other side of it. How is how is uh, Dana Casano going to look uh, in, in this side? You know, she's one of uh, one of the most exciting, I think, attacking players. They're likely to use her as a 10 if they see her uh, within that starting lineup. So I'm very eager to kind of see if, if this is the player that they're going to see themselves kind of building around a little bit. Sandra, there were so many important points there. I just want to mention, though, because you you, you put one in there. Um, I had so many men's soccer players that <laughs> wanted to talk to me about Dana Castellanos. I mean, so many. Mind you, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a Hispanic community, right? They would text me about it. They would call me about her because she was making those headlines and catching that attention that women's soccer doesn't always get, especially within our community. So um, like you mentioned there, as and also, as you say in your bio, talking about Latinas in sport, um, Scarlett Camberos. Is AFC as well. So them having a potential combination and ability to combine there is, is incredibly exciting for them. She did only appear in five games for Manchester City this season. So obviously yep. there has been a drop off from last season and her yeah. uh, contribution in Manchester City. So it's interesting to see how she will make that move. Ladies, um, is there any other one here that you guys want to really dive into? Darian, go for it. Orlando. Messiah Bright to Angel City. This whole like trades that have gone on between Angel City and Orlando has been really great. I love that Messiah is going over to Angel City. I think she'll fit really well into that system. And with the addition of Rocky Rodriguez, she's a player I would have loved to play with in the midfield as a forward because she has such good vision. She looks to combine. Uh, she's defensively very sound. She's technical on the ball. So when you're a forward, you can just make runs. Like You can just put your head down and know the ball's going to come some to you in some way. They're going to get it there. Masai is going to thrive. She came off of six goals last year, leading goal scorer for Orlando. Um, and she's hungry. You know, I spoke to her a couple weeks ago. She's really hungry to get back into season and into an environment that's, you know, going to develop her longer term in her career, not just for the now. So I'm, I'm happy for her. I'm glad that Orlando was accepting of her expression that she wanted to go somewhere else and kind of spread her wings and grow in a different, a different team. Um, but then Simone Charlie, my girl, going over to Orlando. This isn't a like-for-like like switch, in my opinion. I think Simone is much more of a winger, 1v1. Um, she's a great crosser, um, really, really strong in the air. And I think something Orlando was missing, you know, Messiah was really their only, well, 
one of their true lethal threats last year. So adding another layer with um, Simone going and her being healthy this this season is going to be really good. But I, I like these moves that Angel City's making. I think they're going to be another team to really contend with this year. I think I was kind of doubting the moves that they were making earlier. It was like, uh, they seem like sleepy, like they're not really making any changes, but I, I see they've been working quietly and making some big moves. It's going to be, it's going to be a good season for them. See, those are some of the teams you always have to look out for. The ones that are making all the moves really quietly because before you know it, it's like bam, 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 and they've got all these players. Um, I do like this move right to Angel City. I want to see how she plays with Alyssa Thompson up top, right, and how those two can combine. Um, other news that I want to talk about, Washington Spirit, we know that they're getting Barcelona coach uh, Jonathan Giraldez at the end of Barcelona season, so that's not until June. So the Spirit have named Adrian Gonzalez as the assistant coach once Heraldas gets there but until then as the interim coach for Washington Spirit so that's now preseason until June that's a large chunk of the season so for the Spirit and when you look specifically at President of Soccer Ops Mark Kikorian they wanted to make sure that they got an assistant coach that could be an interim coach so then that would stay there that also aligned a lot on coaching values and coaching style with their new head coach in coach Heraldes. that's exactly what you're getting with adrian gonzalez um it, it is a, a really good decision for them he's been in the spanish second division as a coach right now he joined um in july and in these past uh, since july he's been able to lift that team up they're tied for first place they're on course for promotion back into the first division. And he also has a really, really similar coaching style of play to Giraldez. Um, uh, for Adrian, he's also coached both men's and women's youth international club for nearly 20 years. And that's really going to help him because Spirit have six NWSL draft selections. They've got new free agents in Casey Kruger and, and Britt Ratcliffe. And they're without a lot of their veterans, Sam Staub, Ashley Sanchez, Dorian Bailey, uh, Kim Bogolsky. So he has to be able to kind of put this team together, get them on the same page, and it starts now in preseason, so that as soon as uh, Jonathan Giraldez comes in in June, the side is ready to go and and they're not missing a beat, and it's also not a huge transition for the players. So I, I like that Adrian Gonzalez is going to be the interim with Washington to start the season. You are so positively set always, and I always have to bring like a little bit of a negative possibility into it because bring that's it. who I am here. I find this dynamic to be incredibly tricky, right? The fact that you have um, an interim oh. head coach that will then turn into an interim head coach. It's like kind of getting a taste of the big shoes. And then someone comes in and potentially overshadows and undermines the work that you have done. What if he's not happy with, say, that amount of time that he has been the coach and what he's done and completely changes everything? All of the relationships that he has built with these now players then go to the wayside because um, the head coach comes in and and Giraldez changes everything and kind of um, changes the dynamic of the team. Jenny, it is an impossible situation, but he's still going to be an assistant. It's not like he's then leaving the club entirely. I think that's more difficult. But also, a lot of times, assistant coaches are who really run teams. They're the ones that design the training sessions. They take the ideas from the head coach and formulate it in a way that makes sense to the players. They're closer with the players. It's I, I, I actually think most of the time, like assistant coaches are really the head coaches. Like and most as of a the player, teams I've been often, on, that's been who you yeah. go to. It's exactly. the head coach just has the you framework. Have, yeah. You have that connection and that communication, that relationship Listen, with the assistant coach. 
hundred percent. I'm I'm agreeing with you guys there. But Darian, do you see a potential problem there in those dynamics unfolding? Right. Like I'm not saying specifically this one, but in those dynamics also related to Emma Hayes and, and Twyla Kilgore. You know, just the idea of certain dynamics completely being shaken up when someone comes back in. In yeah, yeah, I can see there being a little bit of a you have a taste of, oh, this is what being the boss is really like, like I'm really enjoying this. Then you have to take a back seat or your your workload completely changes. But I also think there like there's stepping stones to get into that. And this is the best way possible for these coaches. Like, why would you not jump at this opportunity to be an interim head coach um, when it, you weren't offered it initially, but exactly. it's your, it's, this is the first time you get to have this experience. You build this relationship with the players. And these are times too, when like, I would go play for a coach that I love at a different club just because they're there. Uh, not because it's maybe the best team in the world or whatever, but I think this is how you dis- establish yourself as a prominent coach that people want to go play for. And so I understand it being a good career move for them, even though they will eventually have to take a back seat. Totally. And for Adrian Gonzalez, he already knows he's going, he's the assistant, right? They're not hiring him as the head coach, or it's not like the coach got fired and it's a Becky Tweed Angel City situation where you get promoted to the interim. Like he's starting as the interim, knowing um, that come June, I am the assistant and now I have to transfer all of my information. I think that's harder. Conceptually, I think that that's harder. Not if you know going into it. It's going to be hard no matter what, because I think these are two coaches who are already familiar with each other. They probably already have a friendship and that's all fine and done and good. But I think it's going to be hard no matter what, because these are two coaches coming overseas from Europe, from Spain, and they are going to be tasked with implementing a certain style and culture within this team. And that in itself is going to be a long journey, let alone the interest, like the the inner workings of like co-worker relationships. I think they're oh. hopefully banking on the fact that these two dudes already kind of have some history together mm-hmm. and together they can get all the players and everyone else on board to absolutely kind of revamp that culture because it's not going to happen or not. I don't think it's going to happen this season and it might not happen, you yeah. know, even when Hiro this actually comes and stands on the sideline. It's not just going to magically all work together. So there's a little bit of bigger picture, I think, coming into play in all this when it comes to the spirit. And when you are using that type of phrasing, it's it's kind of a little bit of flag signaling to say, hey, give this project some time. Beautiful. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean specifically like Washington Spirit. I mean, the, the concept of it is, is tricky for sure. Um, but we'll see how those dynamics unfold. Um, Sandra, was there anything you wanted to touch on before we move on? Yeah, we gotta, we gotta show Seattle some love. I mean, we're talking, we started talking about international, uh, players at the top of this segment. We got to talk about Ji So Young getting that contract with Seattle Rain. And I think it couldn't have come at a better time, honestly, because I think there were some eyebrows being raised a little bit. Like, how is the, you know, how are the Rain going to go ahead and, and operate? There's the off seasons getting away from them. Where are the moves for this team? Everyone was really excited about seeing the, the rebrand and, uh, you know, the, the logo kind of making its return and all the excitement around that. But I think losing a couple of, of your key pieces in that championship runners up appearance in Lavelle and Sonnet, I think 
sometimes folks see that and it's jarring and fans might be like, what's going on here? But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of pieces that are coming back to the rain. I love that they re-upped with Bethany Balser and the fact that they went out and went ahead and acquired a player of this caliber is actually going to help them kind of maintain some things moving forward. So are we looking and wondering if maybe their depth might have taken a hit? I don't know. I think that's up for debate, but I think getting someone in the experience of G is going to help this team kind of retain and play the way that they're used to playing. This is someone who is calm, cool on the ball, a very connective player. And that's absolutely what you're going to want when you've got attacking players like Balser or Ziara King, et cetera. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ladies. Um, when we return, we're going to be talking to Dana Castellanos, who just signed for Bay FC. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back into Attacking Third. We have an amazing surprise for you guys. Shout out Sandra Herrera for this one. We have Dana Castellanos joining us. She has just signed to expansion side uh, Bay FC from Manchester City. Dana, welcome in. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here with you. All right. First of all, I just want to kick off with your that girl. Okay. So Sandra and I just talked about you and your FSU days and how you kind of have an allure that not many women's soccer players have and as someone who also plays in the game, I would get text messages and calls from my friends that know the game and were like, have you played with Dana Castellanos yet? Do you know her? Oh my God, have you seen her play before? <laughs> so you have that allure um, and we're so excited that you're coming into the NWSL and we get to cover you a little bit more. Um, tell us about your decision to come play in the US. <laughs> well, um, I think it was about time, really. It was about time for me to come here. Um, it, I took my time to be here in Europe and enjoy uh, a different side of football, but I think it's the right time for me to come back to the States uh, where I was very happy and I know I will be again. <laughs> I uh, I just want to like stay with that energy, Dana. Um, thank you for your time. I know you just got announced with BFC. It's a wild, wild time. So just thank you for being here. Shout out to TMJ for hooking us up and 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 connecting us all together today. But I wanna I wanna stay with that because you're saying it's it's time. So let's throw it back a, a little bit, right? Because for for people like me and Jenny who were really uh, into watching you with FSU and your collegiate days here, there comes a time where college ends. And sometimes if you're blessed and lucky enough, you get to maybe have conversations about making the decision to turn professional. So what was that like? Uh, what was it like maybe kind of seeing the options in front of you and why make the decision to start a career overseas and then eventually maybe kind of find your way back to the United States? Well, uh, how you say, I was one of the lucky ones that had the choice to go pretty much um, wherever she wanted. <laughs> so yeah. for me, I was very, very lucky in that side. Um, I, choose, I chose uh, Europe at the beginning because like, it was a dream of mine playing in Europe. And also like 
I wanted to to be in Spain for a little time to adapt to the European life, to the weather, to <laughs> to everything. And for me, moving to to Spain was um, was the right place. Atletico was the the right the, the right place at that moment. Uh, I I didn't have to learn other language. Uh, if you remember, my English used to be very very bad. Uh, so for me, it was a little bit of a relief. But I really enjoyed my time in, in Europe. I met a lot of great people here and I grown as a person, as a player. And for me, that was something that it was very important. And also like I had the opportunity to play like a lot of good leagues and also Champions League. Um, now, like just coming back to the States, I think uh, bringing my experience and bringing all those games and tournaments that I play here in Europe, I think it's going to be important for the team. Danny, you speak with such maturity about that decision you made as a young 20-something-year-old to play overseas and, and make that choice. Um, and it looks like it panned out pretty well for you. But ha- that time you spent with Atletico Madrid and Manchester City, um, how did you grow? You mentioned that you grow and you're not going to bring those experiences back. Um, what did you learn? How did you grow during your time overseas? Well, I, at the end of the day, you are playing every single day and training with, with players that that are very good in the European team and not only uh, has clubs, but uh, also has national teams and just like uh, training and playing along them or against them uh, every week is something that it makes you, if you are smart enough or you take the advantage of that, you are going to just learn and you have to learn. And I think I I learned a lot from coaches and from my teammates. And uh, that, that was an opportunity that I couldn't just let go past me. And I think I took advantage of that. And um, obviously here in, in Europe, the level and in the Spanish league and here in, in the English uh, league, is is a level that is very high and has it is in in the United States. So so hopefully I can uh, be one of those players that teach the younger ones and and lead them uh, by example. Well, we definitely know you're going to lead by example. Uh, I have a question about advice you were given coming from Europe back into the U.S. to play in the NWSL because. Tactically, technically, I think it's such a different game, especially you've played in Spain with Man City. And coming to the U.S., I find it much more physical, uh, more physically demanding. So is there anyone that's given you really sage advice that helped you make this decision and this transition to come to the NWSL? No, I think, uh, well, obviously, like the first person that I called was Mark Ricorian because (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) we have a really good relationship. Um, uh, he was very excited, obviously. Um, um, the the decision, like for me, was simple. And also, like comparing, like the English uh, league and the United States leagues, I think is very similar. And something that I, but it, because both of them are very fast and, and they're very physical, how you said. But I was lucky enough that to play in Man City, which is a very possession team, as it was FSU, as it was Atlético de Madrid. Um, the idea of Bay FC is be a, 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 a possession team too. And that's something that it was very attractive for me, like knowing like that, that in the United States, it was very physical and very like straightforward and just like 
pretty much like running, but I think this club, they want to change that culture in women's soccer in America. Wow. Dana, that was my next question is why Bay FC? You talk about wanting to come back to the United States because it was about time after your time in FSU, but obviously that wasn't the only NWSL team that had shown interest in you and why Bay FC? You just mentioned the possession aspect, but what else is it about Albertine Montoya's side that, that is kind of bringing you in? Well, I think the the project just in general, no, like obviously the owners of the team and and just like uh, being part of those those like first group of girls that they are gonna play in this amazing team. I think that's something very special that is very unique. Um, uh, it's gonna be a challenge that is gonna be difficult, but it's very achieve achievable. <laughs> Sorry, my English. Um, but uh, that's something that is very exciting for me. And I, you guys know that I love a challenge and I just can't wait to be there. All right, Dana. So you love a challenge. We've loved watching you. And this is an inaugural team in Bay FC. It's the first time that professional soccer is going to be there in the NWSL. Saturday, March 31st, Bay FC gets to host their very first home game at PayPal Park. What do you want fans that are new to soccer, new to NWSL in the Bay Area to know about your game? <laughs> well, I'm a very <laughs> a technical player, I would say, and I and also like I, I know where to position myself on the pitch very well, like finding those spaces. And I think that's something that I can bring to the team, like giving that a smart size and like that tactical size that maybe Albertine and all the coaching staff they want. And I hope like I can help with that. And obviously like from, for the fans, uh, this being the first professional women's team in the Bay Area, I think is something very special. And I think, uh, and I know that a lot of like little girls, they are waiting for this and there are going to be a lot of good fans for us. And then I want to touch on something that you were just mentioning a little bit ago, the, the, con the idea of being part of the first group to kind of take those steps with Bay FC. You're a young player still yourself. And you're talking about if, if leaving a, a mark on, on young girls, but you're still a, a young player too. And you have had to like find yourself in that role, even at a young age, kind of being the example. You have made some some history as a leader on the national team level, con Venezuela, and now you're finding yourself coming back to the United States, playing with BFC, but you also were a standout with Florida State as well. So all these little areas in which you have kind of led the way and and been that kind of leader, been that kind of first. Why is that something that's important to you to kind of be that sort of person to kind of help pave the way maybe for others behind you? For me, it's very important because like obviously in Venezuela or South America or even Latin America, it was a uh, women's football is something that is not seen very well by women players. And mm -hmm. that's something that we all want to change. I think obviously women's football has grown a lot, but there is a long way to to keep growing now. Um, and for me, that was something very special. And giving that opportunity to to players from Venezuela, from South America, because like for me, it's not just about Venezuela. It's just about <laughs> everywhere, like in the world, really. Uh, trying to open those doors and like trying to li like leave a path 
which is a little bit easier for them. Like that's something that for me means a lot. And I hope like I can accomplish that. I, I know like uh, my teammates from the national team and, and obviously like every woman player that we have done that already. But like, I think there is a lot more to do. Beautiful. Dana, we want to thank you so much for jumping on. I know you had the announcement today, um, all this breaking news, and you're very busy. So we really appreciate your time here. Thank you, guys. All right. We're going to have so much more attacking third on the other side of this. That was Dana Castellanos coming to us to NWSL and Bay FC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into Attacking Third. It is time for your WSL weekend preview with our crew here. We're all going to pick a match to talk about, um, but let me get you started with the overall schedule. Brighton against Chelsea is tomorrow, Saturday at 12.30 p.m., and that is the only game happening on Saturday. After that, on Sunday, 7 a.m., Manchester United is up against Aston Villa. Um, Everton is against Leicester City at 7.30 a.m. Tottenham up against Manchester City. Bristol City against West Ham. There is way too many cities in this league right now. Uh, Liverpool up against Arsenal on Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time to round out the WSL weekend. So to get things started in chronological order, Sandra, your match to watch this weekend is Manchester United against Aston Villa. Yeah, I'm absolutely keeping an eye on this one because I I want some answers. Like what what is what is going on? With Manchester United, I, th- I think at this point we have seen the return from all of the teams from that long winter break, and we wanted to maybe see certain responses or a certain sense of urgency um, from various kind of mid-table clubs. And I'm thinking this one got to call out Man United a-, a little bit because there should be some some concerns, right? There definitely falling behind in terms of the chase when the remainder of this season and this is a match where they're going up against Ashton Villa and they have to get a win in my opinion I don't think they could just leave any points on the table I don't think they definitely want to have a a third consecutive loss in, in regular season play this is the one that they need to take a look at and say we've got to have a response here and I think for the players it hasn't been for for lack of effort I think I you know they're they're dealing with a number of of injuries along uh, along the way and that has kind of maybe come into play a little bit but this is a, a squad i think that's got a lot of talent on it and is capable of doing a bit more and i think that's what fans were were looking for were they going to build off of that very impressive season that they had last year and kind of maybe really continue their march towards a title and we're not actually seeing that we're actually seeing the opposite we're seeing maybe a bit of regression maybe a, a bit of them uh, falling a little bit of a step behind so i i got my eyes locked on this one and hopefully united pull it off Sandra, I love that you gave the shout about United because this is a team that uh, scored 26 goals in the Super League and all 19 matches, all comps this year, they found the back of the net. So defensively, 
they just have to tighten up. And, and against a Villa side, I honestly think they can heading into this weekend. That's going to be their saving grace. Can they get on the board and then and then just keep a shutout against Villa? Um, Jenny, I, I love that you ran through all these games, lots of cities in them. I'm taking a look at a relegation battle match this weekend because Bristol City takes on West Ham. That's Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern. And these are two bottom of the table sides. They're both sitting on five points. West Ham only ahead of Bristol City on goal differential. And these two are, are struggling, right, to pick up points. And if one of these sides can get a win over the other, I think that's going to set the trajectory for the rest of the Super League season for either side. West Ham made a lot of season, a lot of moves in the January window, signing a number of new players to help bolster this side. Can they be put into place after last week they struggled? They had a good run in the FA Cup against Chelsea uh, a week or so ago. This is West Ham's time to get three points on Bristol City and then just create a little bit of separation um, from the relegation battle at the bottom of the table. It's, it's I think it's going to be a really scrappy game. Um, both these sides, they really have to pick up points, frankly. Yeah, Lisa, that's going to be a good game. You're right. Scrappy. I love a game that's physical. I think it's going to be really, really physical, really gritty. The game I'm looking forward to, I think we're all really looking forward to this, Liverpool-Arsenal. Uh, reverse fixture, Liverpool actually won their first huge win against Arsenal, but Liverpool are coming off of a 5-1 loss, like beat up against Man City that the tactics were really questionable, playing out of the back too much when no one really seemed confident on the ball or like they really wanted the ball and City pounced on it. Um, I think, you know, four or five of the goals uh, were off of their own mistakes in the back line. Um, so I think going into this game against Arsenal, an another big dog in the league is is really intimidating. I'm, I'm really curious to see how Liverpool is going to adjust their tactics or if Coach Matt Beard is really going to have them really try to become this, we're going to play out of the back and build confidence in it no matter what. We're going to be this type of team. Um, so I'm really curious to see how that's going to go because I think that will set the tone of the game on if they're successful playing out of the back line or not, if that's what they plan to do. But Arsenal, looking at their last two games, the two lineups that they have, they have two starting 11s on their team. Uh, they have so many players in each positions that can fill in like for like... Um, both all with different strengths, but you look like Will Leah Williamson is back. You have Fox, Catley, McCabe, uh, Cooney Cross, Russo, Blackstinius, Lacasse had a really good game against Reading. Um, Beth Mead is in really good form now. Uh, it's They're just a team full of superstars. Uh, so if I were Liverpool, I'd be pretty intimidated jumping into this match. Um, but, you know, you learn a lot from your losses. So I hope that they come out and change some things tactically and put up a good fight against Arsenal because I think it'll be a really good game. It's nice when you go into a match where you've at least had a win against the team you're playing against. That's a good point. Here's some more Leah Williamson, Beth Mead magic. Yes. Out there. <laughs> They're just getting stronger. Watch out. Arsenal's coming for you. All right, for my match to watch, Tottenham Manchester City, guys. That's at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. City absolutely dominate this fixture. They also beat them in the reverse fixture last match, 7-0. to nil. I know we talked about that when that match happened, so we don't need to get into that one too much, but I'm sorry to the Tottenham fans. I am incredibly excited to watch Bunny Shaw have another hat trick potentially in this match. Obviously, Manchester City, Bunny Shaw lead the golden boot race um, in that aspect. Um, Tottenham is on to the quarterfinals of the Women's League Cup. They just beat Southampton 3-0. So they're coming off of a high, but to have lost to this team 7-0 last time, I mean, that was in November, and to have lost to them like the last five times they've played as well, it shows that 
just dominant from Manchester City here. And I just want to see goals galore because I love watching Bunny Shaw play. I know that that just doesn't sound very even to the Tottenham fans, but I love watching her play and to see what she can do. And I'm going to see how many goals she can score and how she scores them. Do you think she's going to get doubles this weekend, Jenny? You think, um, you know, she's just on track to continue multiple goals a game? 100%. Especially in this picture. Like, I just don't think that, I don't think that Tottenham has an answer for her. You know, we watched the seven goals go in and how much of an impact she has. She beats them in the air. She beats them on strength. She beats them, like, with the amount of shots that she can get in any kind of way. She can get out of anything, turn out of anything. It's just, um, it's like an, an adult playing with a child. In, in this, in this. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like watching a woman amongst girls. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think what's great about Bunny Shaw right now is she just has the audacity to try anything. Like she's yeah. gonna shoot. Yep. When forwards are in good form and you're mentally like in such a strong place of, I just feel good. The ball is coming off of my foot well. I'm striking it well. I'm just gonna shoot anytime I'm a- around the goal in any sort of facet and it's going in. You're right, Jenny. I think she is gonna put a few on the board this weekend. Uh, I would be scared to go against her. I don't think any team is looking forward to trying to defend Bunny Shaw because she is literally everywhere and everything all at once. on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love that energy. I think there's no, there's no more of a dangerous moment for a striker when they're in that mindset, when they're just in there, like, let me just try some stuff era. Mm-hmm. Watch out. It's like, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, our producer Courtney has a question about whether Mayra Ramirez gets to play this weekend in um, the WSL for Chelsea because that would be wonderful for them. But I do want to mention that she is eligible to play for Chelsea in the quarterfinals of the Women's Champions League because although she did play for Levante in the preliminary and qualifying rounds for Champions League, um, the rules state that she can now register as far as I'm concerned for the quarterfinals. With another team. So that is an interesting one um, because obviously the one that Chelsea wants to win is the Champions League. I think she will. Why would you not want to just kind of throw her into the deep water, let her kind of figure it out? We know she's a super talented player um, and will fit into the system, I think, seamlessly. And, you know, we've been talking about Mia official and Lauren James trying to play the nine, not her best position with Chelsea. So I think this is a really good fit. Um, and I would love to see her get some minutes. I think it'd be it'd make the most sense going forward to just get her in as soon as possible. I disagree. I don't think we're going to see her this weekend. I think Emma Hayes wants to take it slow, uh, get her incorporated, give her a a chance to watch maybe from the sidelines on the road this weekend. Nope. Well, I'll talk to you tomorrow, Darian. Yeah. Look, I think think they made the move for a reason to get this type of player into the mix. I think there's plans for sure, but I still think there needs to be like one more weekend of what is working here for Emma Hayes and the Blues. And maybe she's going to use this weekend to figure that out. And then we'll see Mara Ramirez. Uh, beautifully said, everybody. I want to see her. I want to see her because you don't pay that much money for someone you don't want to use um, ASAP. So our show is ending. Our clock is running out. What is a clock, though, Sandra, right? Um, thank you guys for joining us on Attacking Third. We'll see you guys again on Monday. Can't wait. Uh, can't believe we got that that interview. Woo! Ciao, ciao.